0: Genesis chapter 28. This morning is going to be a little bit different because we're going to attempt to cover most of three chapters. Uh, so, uh, and the, these three chapters I have entitled Jacob's Trouble. <laughs> and we can actually entitle quite a bit of these chapters Jacob's Trouble. Uh, of course, that's a play on words because the real Jacob's Trouble is uh, the Great Tribulation. You know. Um, Jeremiah thirty verse seven. How awful that day will be! There will be none like it. So this is something that's in the future, and there's never been anything like what's going to happen. The great tribulation is unmatched, and how bad it's going to be. Uh, How awful that day will be! There will be none like it. It will be a time of trouble for Jacob. And of course, Jacob, his name will be changed to Israel shortly. But he, Jacob, will be delivered out of it. Jeremiah 30, verse 7. So it's a play on words. uh, Jacob's trouble. Um, And so we're going to have to move through these chapters fairly quickly. And then at the end, make some important observations. And so where are we at in the Bible? Uh, Alex did a really good job last Sunday. And uh, I thought he did a really good job. And we're very fortunate to have him uh, here. And... uh, Let's just set the, set the context for where we're at as we begin chapter 28. Uh, Jacob has lied to his blind father. And he did this to gain his older brother's blessing. And of course, his older brother now is full of resentment and wanting to kill him. And so Jacob's had to leave home. And so in chapter 28, he is far from his mother's protection, something he has never experienced before. So this is not going very well for him. Uh, His mother, Rebecca, she now feels the full weight of her actions because she's created this incredible gap between herself and her older son Esau. She has created a gap between herself and her husband And Jacob's had to leave, and she doesn't know when she's going to see him again. So that's the state of affairs. That's how this chapter opens. Uh, You know, sometimes when we realize what will happen if we don't succeed at something, we carefully weigh the consequences of our failures. But so often, we do not count the cost of success. So at the close of the chapter, Rebecca told Jacob, at the close of chapter 27, Rebecca told Jacob to, that he needed to leave, lay low for a little bit. I'll let you know when the coast is clear. And so she sent him to Laban, her brother in Haran. And we remember the, the fertile crescent. We've talked about this maybe 7 million times, but you know there's Mesopotamia and it goes around the desert. So good land, places you can live. Uh, hospital areas that circle the uh, the desert and so uh, mesopotamia moves up north and it goes up to haran which would be uh, w- way up the north part of syria and lebanon and even farther north uh, and then you would come back down south along the, the coast uh, till you hit uh, israel and then you could even go farther down into the, the nile delta but that's the fertile crescent and so haran is at the top of the horseshoe and so she has sent him there. At the end of chapter 27 and verse 44, Rebekah tells Jacob to go there with, with my brother Laban in Haran for a few days. A few days. And those few days actually turn out to be 20 years. And we know the full calculated time. We're not going to read that this morning, but in chapter 31, verse 38, we're told that it's a full 20. 20 years. And so by the time Jacob returns, it looks like his mother has passed away. So they never saw each other again. This little ruse that they had planned came at great cost. They were successful in what they were trying to accomplish, but not really. It came at great cost. So uh, Bruce Waltke, he compared Isaac and Jacob to uh, a tire with a slow leak and a tire with a blowout. So uh, I think it's funny that Isaac is the slow leak and Jacob's the blowout. Uh, um, let's, let's continue reading. I have a little joke here. I'm not going to tell it. I'm going to pass it. Okay? Keep going. Uh, I'm real bad about thinking things are going to be funny. And they're not at all. So yeah, gonna risk um, let's go ahead and start reading. Uh, beginning... In verse one of chapter twenty eight. Isaac summoned Jacob uh, Isaac summoned Jacob, blessed him, and commanded him, Don't take a wife from Canaanite from the Canaanite women. Go at once to Aram to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, marry one of the daughters of Laban, your mother's hmm. brother. May God almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you so that you become an assembly of peoples. May God give you and your offspring the blessing of Abraham so that you may possess the land wherever you live as an alien, the land God gave to Abraham. So Isaac sent Jacob to Aram to Laban, son of Bethuel, the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, the mother of Jacob and Esau. And Esau noticed that Isaac blessed Jacob and sent him to Aram to get a wife there. And when he blessed him, Isaac commanded Jacob not to marry a Canaanite woman. And Jacob listened to his father and mother and went to Aram. Well, Esau realized that his father Isaac disapproved of the Canaanite women. So Esau went to Ishmael and he married, in addition to his other wives, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son. And she was the sister of Nebaoth, or whatever. So that's a lot of vowels there. Um, So we've noticed right off the bat something very important. Don't take a wife from the Canaanite women. Uh, Why would that be? You know, uh, there's a desire to protect the promise, the lineage. Um, It's it's been very clear, God's made it very clear that there's a certain lineage that He has promised a blessing through. And so there's a desire to protect that. There's also the desire to stay true to the faith. You know, uh, people who um, marry people who are not of the same faith are uh, going to have conflict. You know, if, if a Baptist woman marries a Roman Catholic man, or vice versa, one of the two is going to win out, or they're both end, going to end up not going to church. Um, you can imagine if, a, if someone who is an atheist marries a believer, you know. Uh, The New Testament has a lot to say about this, about not being unequally yoked. You know, if you marry an unbeliever, uh, you've hitched your horse to the wrong post because um, you're going to be constantly pulling against each other instead of working together as one of the same mind, of the same faith. And so the Canaanites, um, there were some folks there that we have met that feared God, but the rest of them were basically uh, steeped in idolatry, And this was only going to continue to get worse. And so there's that desire to marry within the faith here in verse 1. And then in verse 2, he's told him to go and marry one of the daughters of Laban. And so we do well to take notice of this, that uh, that who it is that Isaac is told to marry and how many of them he is told to marry. How many daughters is he supposed to marry in verse 2? just one. His dad told him to marry one woman. Now, uh, we also see Esau's response to this. Some people see this as Esau trying to please his dad by marrying within the faith, by marrying one of Abraham's offspring, you know, through Ishmael. But uh, you've got, um, uh, he's made a mistake there, hasn't he? You know. Uh, so I'm not sure what Esau had in mind when he did this, but uh, he married one of Ishmael's daughters. And so if he thought he had problems by marrying two Hittite women, now he has married an Ishmaelite too. So now he has three women that he is married to. So uh, I don't know if that strikes a good, as a good idea to you, but not to me. Um, so let's continue reading uh, verse uh, Verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba, and we remember where that is, and he went toward Haran. So he's left home. He reached a certain place and he spent the night there before the sun had set. And he took one of the stones from the place, put it there at his head and laid down in that place. And he dreamed. A stairway was set on the ground with its top reaching into heaven, and God's angels were going up and down on it. The Lord was standing there beside him saying, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your offspring the land that you are now sleeping on. Your offspring will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out toward the the west and the east and the north and the south. All the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Look, I am with you, and I will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I didn't even know it. He was afraid and he said, what an awesome place this is. this is. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And so early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that was near his head and he set it up as a marker. He poured oil on top of it and he named the place Bethel. The place was previously named Love's. And then Jacob made a vow: If God will be with me and watch over me on this journey, if He provides me with food to eat and clothing to wear, and if He returns safely, and if I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a mark will be God's house, and I will give to you a tenth of all that you give to me. Now Bethel means, of course, house of God, and it's about 11 miles north of Jerusalem. And so uh, if you're going to go from Jerusalem to Bethel, it's going to be going down to Bethel because Jerusalem is elevated. but a-